This is the Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next two hours. And that's leading up to Suns pregame. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fisher. There's something on after us? <laughs> something. What? What? There's something that starts a half hour after us. That's how late the Suns game is tonight. But that's a pretty good sign. This is not like, hey, we're trying to to bury an ASU game at 830 at night on the Pac-12 network or something. This is the Suns are good enough that they want to show, they want to make sure there's no no uh, interruption in the uh, the Suns Nets game tonight, which we will certainly get into a lot uh, this evening. Bear, how was your weekend? Good, yeah, nice and long. <laughs> Sorry, other people who had to work yesterday, but I don't feel well. It was weird yesterday. There was a ton of traffic yesterday, but not like a, oh, it's Monday and this is a typical like workday traffic. There was just a ton of traffic. It was the strangest thing. Yeah, I. I I went to get my car washed, and I thought maybe I'm like, well, not everybody gets this holiday, so yeah. maybe it won't be. A, it was so busy, like it was like it was a Saturday. Yeah, it was really weird, but yeah, I agree. There was too many people. I took the the yeah. new that two. I guess it's not new anymore, but that two hundred two that goes down around South Mountain. I tried that for the first time yesterday. I honestly thought I was going to end up in San Diego. I was like, I think I took, I'm a, lost. I took a wrong turn. Because you start looking like south and west at certain parts of that, and you're like, I can kind of see California if I squint. Oh, I don't no. think I've been on that. I never that had. 202 until extension yesterday. yet. Yeah, no, that was that was my first experience. Didn't that take them like 10 years to finish? I felt like that. I feel, well, yeah, definitely felt like that. I feel like it, it's, it was faster than some of the areas like around ASU where they've still been doing construction on University Drive for since like I was in college. Uh, all right, let's, let's begin with the Phoenix Suns. I'm going to ask this question, and I know it probably sounds ridiculous at first, but with the way this team is playing and when you start to look at what they did last season in the bubble and everything and, and you know, just kind of the vision that James Jones has had, with the wins over Milwaukee last week and Philadelphia over the weekend, and you've won nine of ten, you've won six in a row, how many teams would you fear in a seven-game series right now? Like, I think you can count it on one hand. I'm not even sure if there's any, really. And the only reason I ask that is because at the start of the season, the expectations were, hey, let's get in the playoffs. And I've been consistent on this show. Get in the top six, so you don't have to mess around with that play-in round. But now you're starting to see the Suns creep into a lot of top fives in, uh, in national power rankings, which is subjective, but it's also pretty indicative of, of how far they've come even from a year ago. And I'm just wondering now, looking at the standings, we were talking about this over the weekend, they, they can hang and really they've beaten every top team in the East if they beat Brooklyn tonight. And you know Brooklyn's going to be missing a few players, so maybe that's not a true indicator, but you're able to beat Milwaukee. You're able to beat Philadelphia. You're, you've, you've just, you've, you're playing really good basketball across the board right now. And I don't know. Like If, if the Suns were starting a seven-game series, seven-game playoff series tomorrow, which teams would you look at and say, like, okay, well, they're not going to win a seven-game series against them? Because for me, it would be probably a healthy Lakers. And I don't know that there's any other one where I'd be like, they don't really have a chance. I get that Utah's on a tear. I mean, they're 23-5. and five. When the Suns saw them, Donovan Mitchell couldn't hit a shot, and I'm not sure Donovan Mitchell's missed a shot since the Suns saw them. But if it was Suns-Jazz starting a seven-game series tomorrow, I'd probably pick the Jazz 
But I, I would think, hey, the Suns certainly have a chance here. I don't love the matchup with Denver, but I still think the Suns could win that. Clippers and Lakers. Anybody in the East, I mean, the Suns aren't going to play Milwaukee in the first round of the playoffs. Anybody in the East, I feel like they, have, they would have a chance. Anybody in the West, I feel like they would have a chance, but I would probably pick Denver against the Suns. I'd probably pick the Clippers and a healthy Lakers team. I mean, I still think they're going to win the title this year. But I don't know. Like, is, is there a team I'm missing? Do you fear any team in a seven-game series? Not, not to say you would pick the Suns to beat anybody right now, but if you had said two months ago, hey, the Suns are going to make the playoffs, they're going to play the Lakers in the first round. I think the general reaction among Suns fans that just don't think the Suns are going to go 82-0 every year would be, okay, that's cool, make the playoffs. Hopefully we, you know, because it's the Lakers, hopefully we do some damage and they can't win in the next round. But, you know, we'll have to settle for making the playoffs. And I'm not saying the season's a disappointment if the Suns make the playoffs and lose in the first round in seven games to a really good team. I'm not saying that. But right now, they're in the four spot. The five seed is Portland. I don't really want any part of Damian Lillard in the playoff series, but I think the Suns would win that series. At least if it was if it was played right now. Steve Nash returns to the Valley tonight. James Harden, no Kyrie, no Kevin Durant. So a very, I think this game goes from winnable to you probably should win. Um, I mean, James Harden's obviously an excellent player, but this is a, a game that the Suns should be able to to have. And I'm encouraged. I'm really encouraged in a weird way by the win over Orlando. I know that that's, that's a beat-up, just kind of average team. They didn't have Cole Anthony, who's, who's having a really good rookie season. But they just handled Orlando. And that's the team that even this season, that's the sort of team that the Suns would struggle with. They'd beat Boston and Milwaukee and Philadelphia, but then they'd lose to Orlando. We saw them lose to New Orleans already this year, and Oklahoma City, and Washington, and Detroit. So it would have been, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't have put a big damper on the weekend if they had lost to Orlando. It would have just been, okay, they won five in a row. So get over it. We'll see if they can start a, a Tuesday against Brooklyn. But the fact that that game was over in like the second quarter, that's the way it should be if you're going to be a legitimate playoff contender. And it was. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Uh, we'll start with the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins weighing in. I'm assuming you saw this, Bear. You've been here all day, so I would assume you saw DeAndre Hopkins uh, with the Instagram post telling J.J. Watt, let's finish what we started. And if I understand it right, he didn't just have the uh, the, the Cardinals jersey photoshopped on, on J.J. Watt. He had it photoshopped on himself, too, because it's a picture of when they were together in Houston. He could have just found a picture of him wearing a Cardinals jersey. I like the effort. But, yeah, I, I, you have to. He had to find the picture of him hugging J.J. Watt. And yeah. He haven't hugged true. Yeah, in a long time. That's true. That's true. Nobody can hug anybody now. Um, yeah, no, that was. Uh, I, I would take J.J. Watt here. I know that some people question, you know, if he's, if he's too beat up at this point. Um, I don't want to get into a bidding war for him. And obviously Cleveland, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, among other teams, have been linked to him. Kind of think he ends up in Pittsburgh. Both of his brothers are there, and, and Juju Smith-Schuster got into a, in kind of the... the well, uh, do, he could just make a TikTok about it. Go away. Yeah. Get out of here, Juju. <laughs> I think he's going to either end up, like you said, Pittsburgh. Seems like a natural place. His entire family plays on the team. Yeah. Or Green Bay, because he's a Wisconsin guy. Yeah. 
I would take him here, though. Like I said, I wouldn't want to get into a bidding war, but I don't think he's done. I think he's still got some very good years left in him. He had some bad luck, too. Some of those injuries he had with Houston were kind of like, ah, all right, I just I feel bad for this guy. But there were years where he was absolutely dominant. Not like, oh, okay, this guy won Defensive Player of the Year. It's like there are some weeks where you thought maybe he was just the MVP of the league when he was, when he was really in his prime and going. And I, I don't think we're going to see that again. But if you could get him here cheap, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, let's not overthink this. I will take J.J. Watt if you can get him here cheap. The problem is with these other teams interested, it's tough to get him here cheap. Uh, ASU basketball got to play over the weekend, and they won. And now they should get to play again tomorrow in USC. (laughs) The way it's been this year. Let me just double check. I haven't checked ASU's schedule since about 4.30 this afternoon. So it's been an hour and a half. I need to double check. Yep, USC game's still on. So that's, that's great. Uh, they barely were able to squeak one out against Oregon State yesterday, 75-73. Sun Devils, though, have won three of their last four. One loss in there was to Oregon. I mean, you kind of have to approach this as if, hey, you know, March Madness is going to happen as normal coming up, and so you gotta you got to pick up some wins here down the stretch. Right now, they only have four games officially scheduled the rest of the way, so they've, I mean, they've only played 16 games. The best you could do uh, at that point would be 11-9, and nine, but you got the Pac-12 tournament and all that. I'm just happy to see ASU playing basketball because there were so many stretches this season where it was like, oh, here's four games. Uh, Here's another three that are gone. Here's another one postponed. Uh, And the Coyotes finally done with St. Louis. They beat the Blues yesterday 1-0. It's going to be strange when they play the L.A. Kings on Thursday night because L.A. is not St. Louis. Coyotes above 500, 15 games in. 11 of those games have been against St. Louis and Vegas. All right, we come back. We want to get back into the Suns. Kellen Olsen is going to join us. Tell us what he has seen from this group and what he expects now going forward. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. This is honestly, I'm going to talk to Kellen Olson right now on the Colter Automotive Group Sports Line. Kellen, how you doing tonight? What's up, man? Doing well. How about you? I'm I'm doing great. It's a great weekend. I'm really for all the years that we talked to you on this show, when the Suns couldn't string two wins in a row together, I'm I don't know if there's anybody I'm happier for than Kellen Olson covering this team as closely <laughs> as you have. Now you got a team that's won nine out of ten, six in a row. They can beat everybody in the Eastern Conference. It feels like what's uh, what's been your biggest takeaway over like the last week or so with this group? Um. I'm- it's interesting that you framed it that way because it's it's been so big picture and long term that I, I think I've gotten kind of lost on the last week or so. I, I would just say that the Sixers win in particular, if we're looking at the last week, really stands out to me because I thought that the Sixers have the best record in the East and they really played like it in the first quarter, especially offensively or defensively. Uh, I thought the way Ben Simmons and that entire team defended Devin Booker especially – was the best I've seen a team kind of uh, guard him and and kind of phase him out of a game and to have him struggle. He started two of seven, and then the Suns just kept coming anyway. Uh, And then Booker just happened to make 12 of his next 16 shots and was awesome in that game. And and they just wore down Philly, who's, who's a really great team. And I think there are stretches that people will look at where there were higher peaks in their overall play. Uh, not overall play, rather, but just saying like the three to six minutes or whatever. But over the course of the entire game, 
I thought they were really strong in that game, and that was a uh, – I've seen so many instances like that where maybe the Suns didn't lie down necessarily, but they were on the opposite end of that where they were the, the team getting worn out by a really strong effort uh, by a great team. And they just matched it and, and then overpowered them at the end of the game, really. It just felt like they wore them out, and that was – really impressive and starts to make you look at this team's ceiling and just what they're capable of a little bit differently. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that game up. I know Burns and Gambo had a poll question up of which win this season has been most impressive, and I think the Milwaukee one is what people voted for, but to me it's the 76ers one because the 76ers, I mean, that's that was their team. Milwaukee was missing Drew Holiday, and like you said, the Suns kind of were able to, to do whatever they had to do to win that game. Um, they have had a lot of good wins this season. We were talking about this in the first segment if the playoffs were starting tomorrow, is there a team at this point that you look at and say, ah, the Suns wouldn't have a chance against them in a best of seven? Or have we reached a point where, you know, even if you would pick, like, obviously you'd pick the Lakers over the Suns. Are, are there other teams where you're like, but even then the Suns still have a chance? I think that they've got a chance in every series when they have the two players that they have playing at the level that they're playing at, which is what's expected of them. It's not like, Devin Booker and Chris Paul are playing completely out of their mind right now relative to what's expected out of them. It's It's been what we expect out of them, which is like all-NBA, all-star kind of play. And so when you have two guys like that who can both close out a game and do so in different styles of play, I think that that's such a difficult thing to game plan for in the playoffs, especially when the game's on the line. And I think that you look at those two guys surrounded by shooting with a big man who demands a lot of attention – you can you can match up with anyone and, and test anyone. Now, in terms of teams that I would like thoroughly say for sure they're going to lose to, I think the Lakers, I can say that for anyone in, in the NBA. Uh, I just think that they're in such a horrifying form right now, to be honest, Luke, if you're looking at it from the perspective of any other team in the league. Because the thing is that their first halves now have basically become unwatchable. There are Lakers fans tweeting about, like, I'm just going to tune in for the third quarter because these guys just cruise through three quarters and then steamroll teams in the fourth. They had a game against, I believe, Denver a week and a half, two weeks ago, where they were down 15 at halftime, something like that, or with like a couple minutes left in the second, then all of a sudden they were up 25. Their their ability to just shift up a, a gear or two when necessary has just been frightening to see, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to compete with them this season if they stay healthy and everything goes according to plan there. But if you look at like the Jazz, the Clippers – the Nuggets, those types of teams, Portland, and so on. I do think that the Suns match up with them, and in some of those cases, I would even say the Suns would beat them. They were, uh, talking to Kellen Olsen, of course, of ArizonaSports.com. Kellen, they were 8-8 eight and eight on January 27th after that loss to Oklahoma City. And I remember talking to you, we were both kind of like, you know, you, you don't panic about this team because it's a different looking 8-8, eight and eight, but also it, it kind of wasn't making a lot of sense. Although they had just lost two games to Denver that went overtime and double overtime, and one of them shouldn't have even gone overtime. The Suns should have won probably in regulation. Either way, since that Oklahoma City game, the Suns are 9-1. and one. Is there anything specific that has flipped for this team? Uh, there are a couple of things, yeah, uh, that I wrote about on ArizonaSports.com, kind of previewing tonight's game against Brooklyn. Obviously, the play of Booker and Paul is at the top. Right now, they're both putting up all-star numbers over this stretch in the nine of their last ten games. And I think that Paul was the first guy to kind of figure it out and start to play like the way we expect him to. And then, and then Booker followed up and has been awesome, especially in the last couple of games, winning Western Conference player of the week and then in turn wouldn't you know it that's helped kind of solve their their crunch time woes uh when nba.com calculates what's considered uh clutch time crunch time whatever you want to call it 
they were minus 35 in in the clutch um, prior to this stretch. And then over these last 10 games, five of those have had minutes in them that were games like in crunch time and clutch time, whatever you want to call it. They're plus 29 in those 19 minutes uh, over that stretch. So the, it, when games have been getting close, they've just been obliterating them. And that's what I've uh, talked about with you and, and a lot of other places, just how great Chris Paul teams are in the clutch. And that is certainly carried over now to this part of the season so those two things have kind of just really come together naturally for them and then just kind of looking ahead they're they're finally healthy I think that Frank Kaminsky has done a lot well for this team but Dario Saric who who was good last year looks even better this year he looks fantastic and and they've just got so much depth across the board where campaign getting back in there now you can rely less on guys like Kaminsky and more and and, and as a result get more out of, out of them because I think at a certain point when you're asking for 25 minutes out of Kaminsky or 20 minutes out of Moore, maybe it's eventually going to backfire. But if you just ask for 10 to 15 out of them, you're, you're going to get what you need. And it's just going to be great for this team going forward. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Sharich and their ability to work some of these other guys in. Are you surprised they've been able to do that without it? It hasn't impacted them in the win column. I mean, are you surprised that they've been able to, to just kind of pull these guys back in seamlessly? And if, if not, how much of that is Monty Williams? I've been partially surprised that it, it's important that you kind of put it that way because I think that it might have been a bit too much to expect it to just kind of click into place so naturally. I think that's a credit to how well the players have come back, but Monty also deserves a lot of credit too. And I think that when you hear something enough, like you can you can say that it's like cliche or like a narrative that's being driven or whatever, but all we heard in the training camp and in the off season and all this kind of stuff is that Everyone here has a professional attitude. They're all showing up to get their work done. We all know that we're ready and in our opportunities, and and that's something Devin mentioned, is that guys like Etuan and Frank, he knew that they were ready for their opportunity and they were going to take advantage of it, and there wasn't going to be any slip-ups or anything there. And it just seems like everything from a – like big picture structure in terms of their basketball operations has just really come together for them this season especially – and, and again, that goes to Monty and James first. So uh, to answer your question a longer way, yeah, I do think it goes back more uh, to Monty, and he deserves a lot of credit for it. And if they if they keep on this pace, I know the Jazz are going nuts right now, and Quinn Snyder's probably going to be favorite for Coach of the Year right now. But if the Suns keep up this pace, Monty Williams is going to make it tough for uh, Quinn to get that award. You know, NBA trade deadline's not for a while, but with the way the Suns are playing right now and the way everybody kind of just seems to be fitting in their roles, I mean, is there anything that you would want them to go out and add? And do you think having Chris Paul makes it easier to get guys if you go out and add them? I do think uh, yes to your second question, absolutely not to your first question. Is part of that the fact that things are finally going right, as you mentioned at the start, and I'm terrified of things going wrong by changing anything at all? (laughs) Probably. That's probably part of my thought process there. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, you look at what teams like them tend to look to add, guys that are buying, teams that are buying at the trade deadline. Shooting is probably the number one thing. This team has a bunch of shooting. And if you look at just like little holes in their depth chart, okay, like maybe an extra guard, well, they have Etwan Moore. And if you look like, okay, maybe another wing, and they have Abdul Nader. You look at center and say, like, okay, maybe you need like another guy, maybe another stretch big. They have Frank Kaminsky. It, it, they, these guys that stepped up while the injuries were going down showed how impressive their depth is. And when you look at additions at the trade deadline, I don't really think anything makes a ton of sense. And when it took – I say when it took this long, but when it took 10, 15 games for you to figure out your chemistry, 
I think the last thing you want to do is really shake any of that up with a move. I I don't think that you have to start looking at this and saying, okay, like, can we go win a title this year? What move can we make to win now? I think that what you're doing right now is just, is so important and really can't, um, can't afford to be kind of tinkered with and and messed with because this is much more about uh, winning this year and winning next year to set up these young guys in the next five to six years to really elevate this team. And that's when you start talking about potential like Western Conference finals appearances and titles and all that kind of stuff because that's when Book will be ready to do that on his own. DeAndre will be much better. Mikel will be much better. Cam will be. Jalen Smith will be involved in, and so on. They'll have the pieces to get there. Yeah, last one I want to ask you about Jalen Smith now in, in the G League. I mean, it's very early in his career. He's kind of had an up-and-down start, and it hasn't really been his fault. It's just been weird circumstances. But where do you see him fitting in either this season or, or down the line? Yeah, it, it hasn't been his fault, and, and people feel like there just has to be one stone-cold opinion on something. Like, this can be a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing that he's going to the G League to get playing time. The factor is the factor there that has to be mentioned is that he gets the ankle injury after his second game of the season, is active for one game, and then immediately tests positive for COVID and misses another two weeks. And then by then, Frank Kaminsky is in there and, and all this other stuff. But the, the, the bad thing is that they needed to send him to the G league in order to get playing time. But the good thing is they had to do it because he's the fifth string center because all the other guys are playing so well and they feel like they can rely on even someone like Damian Jones is the fourth string guy to a certain extent. Frank has been played so well that some people were arguing that he should have played over Dario two to three games ago, considering how well Dario played. So I think that that's kind of how the Jalen Smith uh, balance unfolds. I do think he's more of a center than a power forward. It's going to be interesting to see when he plays in the G league, when he gets little moments to play here and there later in the season, where exactly does the team put him at? Because I think he's more impactful there, but they also do want to play him a bit at the four. Kellen Olson, great stuff as always, man. Thanks for taking the time and enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, man. Will do. All right. That's Kellen Olson checking on the Coulter Automotive Group Sportsline Coulter Cadillac Tempe. Experience the difference. Visit com. All right. When we come back, we are going to switch gears in a big way to baseball. Mike Hazen was on with Doug and Wolf this morning for Newsmakers and, uh, he maybe shed some insight, at least on what he expects from the Diamondbacks this season. They've kind of been the forgotten team in the NL West, but uh, we'll, we'll hear some of his thoughts next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown with Luke Lipinski. I've always heard you're a very good guy and women. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. <laughs> All right, Suns-Nets beginning at 8.30 tonight. Pre-game right after our show ends at 8 this evening. And in case you missed it, no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie. Um, I wouldn't mind if those guys were playing. This is not like a do-or-die game where like the Suns, if they lose, it ends their season or anything like that. Or they, You, know, you want to have it, and now without those guys playing, you kind of should have it. But it's, well, like, it's not like a must-win, you know what I mean? And what kind of sucks is that now that two of their big three isn't playing, yeah. and they don't really have a lot after that besides James Harden, if they lose tonight, does that become a bad loss? <laughs> we don't have Kyrie. He's not going to be burning sage in the arena now, right? If he's not, Or can he still do that even if he doesn't play? I feel like he can do whatever he wants yeah. and get away with that, it. That has been proven. That's just me. To be clear, if they were playing the Lakers, I'd be fine if the Lakers were playing without Anthony Davis and LeBron. But since it's an Eastern Conference team and they just went through two teams that have better records in the East... I kind of like to see what they could do against the Nets full strength, but whatever. If win the game, that's that's fine. Make it uh, make it seven in a row. Uh, 
Baseball. This is Newsmakers Week on Doug and Wolf, so I'm in loaded with guests. But they have, I think they had eight guests on this morning, and it's going to be that way all week. And we're um, we're going to play a chunk of their interview with James Jones late in the show tonight. But I want to just play a couple clips here from Mike Hazen talking about the Diamondbacks, who right now are kind of the forgotten team in the Valley. And look, they're not playing right now, but a lot of that has been because of what the Dodgers have done and because of what the Padres have done and the fact that they're in this just extremely top-heavy division. So Doug and Wolf asked the D-backs GM, what are his expectations for Arizona this upcoming season? Our expectation is to go out and win baseball games. Um, we had opportunities, as you could probably imagine, mm-hmm. um, to make some changes with our veteran players. Uh, we chose not to do that. Uh, it wasn't wasn't something that overly excites us, me, uh, in a lot of ways. You know, we understand the long term. I've talked about that enough. That the long term is important. Our farm system is important. Our young players are important. The players that we've acquired at deadlines um, over the last couple of years are important. But we still want to go out there and compete to win. The pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. For the Diamondbacks, like that kind of snuck up on everybody with all the just the talk of, hey, can we get this baseball season together or not? And now pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. That's what happens when you just refuse to negotiate. Yeah. Things just happen on time, apparently. That's, that's, that's fine. Then if that's the case, just, you know, I don't want to be going without baseball this summer. Um, Hazen also asked, what does it mean to compete to win? I, I don't know what that means. Um, and I'm not going to put anything on what that means right now. I think, I, I think at times, you know, we've maybe gotten a little ahead of ourselves on that. I want to go out there, compete, and win. I think that we're not blind to what two of the bigger teams in our division have gone out and done this offseason. We respect that. Um, but they still have to go through 160 games too, 162 games as well. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to compete against them and they're going to have to compete against us. And, you know, we feel like we have a good baseball team. Um, we need our collectively as a unit to perform better uh, than we did last year. And, you know, it, it, we've worked a lot on a lot of those things this off season. I would say out of, what, 30 home games last season, I was probably at 15 to 18 of them. They just did not seem like the D-backs of previous seasons. Um, but, Barry, you're like one of the, the – baseball is your sport. You're still wearing a D-backs. How many D-backs correct. hats do you have? Uh, too many. Okay. <laughs> what a, I actually don't know. It's, I have that. I don't know how many I have. That's a good number, then. If it's that high, you don't even know. Um, what do you think about this team this year? Um – I think I think they're just going to get by this year and see what happens next year. I mean, anything can happen, right? I mean, the Padres and Dodgers could suffer some injuries to their key players, and then the Diamondbacks could have career years from guys that they need to have career years from. Um, I think a lot of it depends. It's never really a good sign when you need to have so many good years from so many people to be competitive. But just looking at it, I think obviously Madison Bumgarner needs to be better. Hmm. He needs to, he needs, now his contract goes up to what, $19 million this year. He needs to have an ERA below six. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, then, that would help. Yeah. And Eduardo Escobar needs to be what he was a couple years ago. And uh, it was a bad look for him last year when he showed up after the shutdown to summer camp, he showed up out of shape. Um, but 
I don't know. It's just so hard. I, I saw that their playoff odds, <laughs> Fangraphs released their playoff odds for every team, and the Diamondbacks have 2.1% chance to make the playoffs this not year. Not great. Yeah, not, not great. But, I mean, this team seems to perform in the past, perform its best when they when no one's talking about them anyway. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, yeah, they need to have c- good years from guys like Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver, um, guys that did not have Cattell Marte needs to be their all-star again. David Peralta needs to continue. Cole Calhoun, I would love to see him continue. He had probably the only good year out of any Diamondback player last year. Um, I'm still wondering who's going to play center field. Uh, is it going to be Cattell Marte? Are they going to go snag somebody right, you know, as spring training starting? It, there's There's a lot of question marks on this team, and it's like, I don't know how many guys are you can rely on to just have complete 180s from last year. I it, see. I think they were worse last year than they really are. Like it did feel like last. I think season. that I agree with that. But I don't know if they're good enough to be a playoff. Like you can make the playoffs. The Dodgers can go 162 and 0, and the Diamondbacks can still make the playoffs as a wild card. I think what you said is you know you you can never. You can never predict how a season's going to play out because of injuries or who, whatever. I think that applies to the Padres. I don't think it applies to the Dodgers. I mean, they are just so low. The Dodgers are just stacked. They're like they're, they're so proof. deep. I mean, they really they could lose two or three guys and still be the best team. Yeah, someone goes down. Oh, here's an all star. Yeah. Oh, someone else. Okay, here's an. Okay, we'll just call up one of our top five prospects and he'll immediately have an impact. Or cool. they just go trade for another one. Sure. So, but I mean, there's still a path for the D back. The thing is, there's always there always feels like there's one or two baseball teams, like each year that's kind of like okay, not a lot of buzz before the season. And if you look at them on paper, they're not loaded or anything. You're not like oh, we're scared of this team, but they do kind of just pull it all together and play as a team. I feel like this happens in baseball more than than the other sports, where it's just like oh, all of a sudden there's this team in the NLCS or the ALCS that really it doesn't add up, but yet here they are. That, that's the path they would have to take. And honestly, that's kind of how I and some others viewed the Diamondbacks going into the short season last year. Yeah, they don't really have a superstar on their team. They don't have a Nolan Arenado. They don't have a Mookie Betts. They don't have a Clayton Kershaw. But one through nine in their lineup are tough at bats and 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 well-rounded baseball players for the most part. And then they, it didn't help that they all just had terrible years last year. And I don't know what that was, uh, what you can attribute to that. Maybe it was the shutdown in spring training and the restart. Guys just weren't into it. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But that, but if you're looking back to what we liked last year before the season started, that was kind of it. It was looking at their lineup and then their, their starting pitching depth and everything and saying, you know, they have a lot of guys here that are decent baseball players. And, yeah, there's not that one big star in the middle of their lineup. But one through nine, it's going to be a hard game to get through for opposing pitchers. They they haven't really lost anything from where they were going into last season other than Madison Bumgarner was so bad last season. Now you kind of wonder what you have in him. Uh, one more clip here from, from Mike Hazen talking about his manager who is going into his final year of his contract. I don't really believe in a lot of those things, um, frankly. I, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. Look, we, you know, we finished in last place last year for the both of us, he and I, if specific wanting to – you know, <laughs> be responsible. Uh, it's, it's he and I, uh, in a lot of ways, I look, we, we want to go out there and focus on winning baseball games. I very much, um, 
appreciate and respect how he runs the clubhouse and our team. And I don't necessarily assign wins and losses as the, in, 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 in every single sense um, to how we're evaluating what we're doing. I think he was saying that like Tori Lovello's not gone just if because they missed the playoffs if that happens this year. Well, it sounds like he's saying there's more to a manager than just wins and losses. And I can agree with some of that. Especially this year in yeah, this division. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, and I can see what he's saying. But most people, and I've been guilty of this too, are, are just, this team's not winning. It's the manager's fault. Yeah, see, okay, that that's maybe the best way to, to approach this. If this team doesn't win this, like if they're bad this season, okay, that's different. If they are decent, if they're right around 500 and they miss the playoffs, I don't know, man. Like I've been I've been to a lot of Diamondbacks games, a lot of D-backs press conferences in the Torrey Lovello era, and I feel like that team really does respond to him. I know they weren't good last year, and that, and that was surprising to me too. Uh, but I think for the most part in previous years, He's been able to get the most out of his team, maybe more than a lot of managers would for a good chunk of the year. Now they've had some bad finishes. I'm not saying like Lavello's manager of the year, but there's a lot that he does right. And so, sort of to your point, if they go 82 and 80 and miss the playoffs this year or something, I don't think firing or not bringing back Tori Lavello would suddenly make them better. And, and and Mike Hazen even said later on in the interview. You know he's got to deal with the the hand I've dealt him with the players he has, and and I would go one step further and say, he's got to deal with the hand he's dealt in that he's in the Dodgers division when they are potentially historically good, and the Padres. I mean, for the longest time, the Padres were like, okay, they're going to try something, they're going to add a pitcher, and it didn't work, and they're going to they got a couple prospects, and it didn't work. I mean, the Padres are going all in like they think they can be the Dodgers, so that's not great for the Rockies and Giants and D-backs. And the Rockies have gone the other way and just sort of already waved the white flag. But, I mean, the, the D-backs are, are not going to do that. I, it's going to be an interesting storyline to watch because if this team misses the playoffs, there are certainly going to be people saying, okay, well, you know, how long does Torrey need? But on the flip side, it that's a really, really tough division. And not just like, oh, there's a good team. It's going to be hard. And say, no, you probably two of your top four World Series contenders are in one division and the Diamondbacks just happen to be in it. All right, when we come back, we're going to do another round of rough drafts. This will be the third one of these we've done. We've done the last couple of Tuesdays. We're going to redraft the 2011 NBA draft next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, time for rough drafts and... Uh, with the Brooklyn Nets in town tonight, we decided to go with the 2011 NBA draft in honor of Kyrie Irving. I bet you didn't think we were going to honor Kyrie Irving on this show tonight. Um, obviously, the options were the 07 draft with Durant, 09 draft with Harden, but uh, those drafts weren't very good. So <laughs> maybe further down the line, but uh, we will. Uh, we're going to Durant do- one was Greg Oden number one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, and not not a that one wasn't awful at the time. Not real. I mean, everyone thought he was going to be good, I guess. But I was really, really into college basketball then too. So I was like really into. it. I was like, this draft's loaded. It wasn't. 
Um, so we're going to do the 2011. It wasn't. It wasn't. I was misled. I was lied to. Uh, so we're, the way this goes, we're just going to go back and forth. We're going to do the top 10 picks, how this draft should have played out. Bear, you get the first pick because we, see, this is the third one we've done. Last week we did the uh, Giannis draft, and I got the first pick, and that Ooh, was, a, was okay. a good draft to have the first one. And the week before we did the Patrick Mahomes draft going into the Super Bowl, and you took Mahomes. So, All right. With the first wait, pick. Let me, oh, set, let no, me, let no. me say one other thing what? real quick. What? The Phoenix Suns in this draft with the 13th oh, pick yes. took Markeith Morris. Oh. So far, the first two drafts oh. we've done, we haven't gotten to a Cardinal player or Suns pick in those drafts. We'll see if that changes tonight. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <number> <laughs> uh, you might be disappointed. Um, with the first pick of this redraft, I'm going to take a man who went 15th overall. That's a good pick. Kawhi Leonard. Yep. Yep. Out of uh, where do you go? San Diego State. San Diego State. Yeah, the claw. He was, <laughs> he was, um, he was supposed to be good. And I think if I remember right, even at fifteen, they're like, okay, this guy, this guy kind of dropped a little bit. I mean, again, the Suns picked thirteenth and took Marquis Morris, but um, but nobody thought Kawhi would be this good. No, ah, the second one is tough because there's like a group of three guys here. I think it could be any of them. But I'm going to factor in if I'm building a team, I'm going to pass on on the guy that went number one overall in this draft, who is a good player. And I'm actually going to go with Jimmy Butler as the second Ooh, pick. okay. All right. Jimmy Butler dragging the Miami Heat to within a couple games of winning the title last year in the, in the bubble. I also appreciate his ability to charge his fellow NBA players $20 a cup of coffee. Yeah, it must be really good. Yeah. Or it was all the coffee. He was had. the last pick in the first round of this draft. Yeah, Isn't that crazy? That, it would have been nice to have him. Yeah, right. Um, uh, number three, I am going to go with Clay Thompson. <laughs> Leaving him out there. Okay. Yep. All right. So uh, he originally went number 11, so... I I don't care if he's been hurt the last couple of years. He's been great. I would still love Clay Thompson on my team. Clay Thompson is is it's he he went to Washington State. I don't remember him when ASU played Washington State. Like I mean, obviously watching ASU, watch Pac twelve games. Like I remember him. I remember Clay Thompson being there. I remember the name. I remember he was he was decent. One of those guys that is so much better in the NBA than he was in college. Um, all right, with the number four pick, I, I got to take the guy that went number one overall out of Duke. If you recall, and I'm thinking people in the Valley will recall this, going into the 2011 draft, there was this debate of should Kyrie Irving go number one or should Derek Williams out of U of A go number <laughs> one? And the whole knock on, well, not I don't know if it was everything, but the biggest thing about Kyrie was he didn't play basketball in college. He yeah. played like a handful of games. Now he does it in the NBA, too. Right, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, Kyrie, I, I will happily take Kyrie at number four. I was, Like I said, there's four really good players at the top of this draft. You couldn't really, or the top of this redraft. Um, but Kyrie went one, and uh, Clay Thompson, like you said, went 11. Kawhi went 15, and Jimmy Butler went 30 in the real draft. Okay, this is where it starts getting difficult. Yeah. Um. So we're at number five. With the fifth pick... Very underrated big man, mm. I would say. I'm going to go with Nikola Vucevic. Having a monster year this year. He's just good. Like, you never really pay attention to him because he's in Orlando and is usually on really bad teams. 
but he's a solid basketball player. He's yeah. all he's a good fantasy basketball player to have because he's usually you know he usually is a double double. You can count on that every night. He's just a and some nights he'll drop about forty points. You'll be like. Oh, yeah. Nikola Vucevic is a basketball player. I forgot about him. I'm, I was trying to look up a week ago in, in fantasy basketball. He was the number two rated player this year. Oh, wow. So I, I didn't mean, know he was doing that good. He's been a beast. And this year he's averaging almost 24 points, over 11 rebounds, over three assists, a steal a game, .6 blocks. Like you said, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle in Orlando. But, yeah, that definitely would have been my pick there if I was picking fifth. Six is where it gets tougher. Yes. Um, Guess what? It doesn't get any easier. I'll tell you that. No, but at least these are still good players. Like, I would like any of these guys. So, where did Vucevic go in the actual draft? He went 16 16. right after Kawhi Leonard. Okay. I'm going to take the guy that went ninth to Charlotte at the time. He's on Boston now. He's hurt. He actually had led UConn on this crazy run to the national championship before that. I'll take Kemba Walker with the the sixth pick in this draft. He's a good player. Yeah. I wish he would play better because he's currently on my fantasy team. <laughs> I wish he would stop going two for eight from the field. That's not helpful. It's not ideal. Um, I wish I would okay. play you when he was going two for eight from the field. All right. Kemba's gone. Mm. There are like tiers in this draft. Like there's Kawhi yeah. and then there's the Butler Kyrie clay tier. And then there's to me, there's Vucevic and Kemba. And now there's yeah. like the fourth tier. Um, I'm going to go with Tobias Harris. <laughs> With the what's this seventh seventh, seventh pick. pick yeah seventh pick Tobias Harris who went nineteenth in the original draft and he's been really just really a solid player was for his career averaging sixteen point one points per game six boards two assists just solid kind of bounced around a little bit mm-hmm. he's overpaid now but, oh yeah but well, solid that's a lot of athletes um, I'm going to see your Tobias Harris I'm going to raise you a Bojan Bogdanovich. oh. Oh, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him at Boy number eight. Yeah. My gosh, Kenneth Fareed was in this draft. I'm just scrolling through it. I got to be honest, I haven't heard either of the Morris twins' names. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, Boyan went number 31, first pick of the second round <laughs> in this uh, draft. Um. Okay, so we are now at number. This is your final eight. pick. No, this is nine. Number this nine. Is your oh, final pick. okay. Oh, geez. So you got to make this one really count. Oh man. Well, there's three just kind of mediocre players I can choose from here. Well, you can round out your team with one of those mediocre players. Uh, let's. I'm gonna go with Enos Cantor. Oh. Okay. I mean, nothing special with Enos Cantor, but he's tough and physical. He gets in fights with people. He really. I. I don't really like him because he said bad things about Devin Booker. But yeah. He's still a solid big man. He is. He is. I was yeah. either going to go with him or Reggie Jackson in that spot, but I chose Enos Cantor. Cantor's. See now, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at Reggie Jackson. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Isaiah Thomas. The um, Morris twins still available. Yeah, Luke. I'm not looking at them. Tristan Thompson. I'm, I am looking at Tristan Thompson. I think I'm going to go. Edmond Shumpert with uh, <laughs> Jonas Valanciunas. Ah, I'm going to go with him. Yes, he's. Uh, I'm. I'm fine with him as the tenth pick in the draft. Hey, Brandon Knight was in this draft too. Would not be fine with him as the fifth pick in the draft, which is where he actually. Was. I yeah yeah yeah. Well, Enos Cantor was the third overall pick. I mean, jeez. Yeah. I mean, teams really messed up the top of this draft because now yeah. we just did this, and and those are ten good players. That we we did get ten. We got like four really really good players. Two more like pretty good players and mm-hmm. like four decent players but the top of this draft in real life was Kyrie 1 
Derek Williams, Enos Cantor, Tristan Thompson, Valanciunas was five. Who, Jan who is that? Was six. Who is that? Who is that? Jan Vesely. That is a Washington Wizards you? special. Bismack Biombo went uh, seven. Great name, though. Yeah. Great name. Great for fantasy basketball. Bismack Biombo. Because you can be Bed Bath and Biombo. It's still <laughs> the greatest team name. Uh, Brandon uh, Knight goes good. eight. Kemba Walker nine. And Jimmer goes Jimmer. <laughs> Suns legend uh, Jimmer for dead. Remember that for a hot minute. I remember him not passing the Devin Booker. I. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, that pretty much sealed his fate. Yeah, I liked our top ten better. So to recap, you go Kawhi, I go Jimmy Butler. You went Clay, I went Kyrie. You went Nikola Vucevic. I went Kemba Walker. You went Tobias Harris. I went Boyan Bogdanovich. You went Enos Cantor, and I went Jonas Valanciunas. That's a solid draft. For not an M- bad. NBA draft to get 10 good players, that's that's not bad. All right, that was rough draft. We're going to do this every week. Uh, and it's not always going to be NBA, but we figure with, with the Brooklyn Nets in town tonight, even though Kyrie's not going to play. I can't wait to do a baseball one. Yeah, That's gonna, when you really get in the weeds. What's, what's a good baseball one to I'll do? have to look. Uh, well, the Mike Trout one might be good. That, that's probably the one we have to start with, but that's painful. Let's do that next yeah, week because I have the first pick next week. So I, okay. that way I get my turn. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was Rough Drafts. We'll come back. Hour number two of the show begins with the reload next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here, Cody Fincher, Bear behind the glass. We'll start the reload tonight with the Phoenix Suns getting set to take on Brooklyn in an hour and a half. <laughs> it's just crazy. Our show is going to have been over for a half hour before tip off, which I like because that means I can see opening tip off. Um, the Suns have won six in a row. They've won nine of ten. They are 17 and nine. We talked about this. We had Kellen Olsen on in the first hour, and I encourage you to go back and find that on the uh, the website or just listen to the podcast of the show. Um, but back when the Suns were eight and eight, I remember talking to Kellen, and I believe it was on the show about how it takes teams a little bit of time to adapt around Chris Paul, but when they do, they really take off. And I looked at Oklahoma City last year because Oklahoma City last year really had no business being in the playoffs on paper with the talent they had. But Chris Paul, one year there, dragged into the playoffs. Tied for the fourth best record in the Western Conference, in fact. They started 5-10 and 10 last year and then went on a tear. Well, the Suns started 8-8 eight and eight this year, and now they're 17-9. and nine, And they just they look like a team that isn't going to lose most nights, you know? You're going to get caught sometimes. You're going to have a bad shooting night. You're going to run into a team that has a good shooting night. I don't think Monty Williams is going to let them get too full of themselves and and just kind of mentally take a night off. Devin Booker has been so starved for wins throughout his career that I don't think he's going to allow it. Chris Paul isn't going to allow it. So this is a team that is built to, you know, when they get some success to really kind of be relentless about it, and that's what they're doing right now. Wins of nine, uh, winning nine of their last ten, beating some really good teams in there, beating uh, Boston, beating Milwaukee, beating Philadelphia. To me, still the the signature win of this season, beating Philadelphia over the weekend. The Milwaukee win last week was fun. Milwaukee didn't have Drew Holiday. I do think Milwaukee's better than Philadelphia. I know Philadelphia's a better record. I, I think Milwaukee's better, but they didn't have Drew Holiday. It doesn't take away from the win. 
But when you're comparing the best wins of the season for the Suns, it'd be Philadelphia basically at full strength. And even the Utah one earlier this season, I mean, Utah's 20-5. and five, But that was early in the year, Utah, Donovan Mitchell just couldn't make any shots. And, I mean, he even talked about it after some of the games, like, yeah, I'm playing terribly, I, and i got to work my way out of it. And he absolutely has. So uh, it would be fun to see. The, the, when the Suns are playing this well, I want to see them play the top teams. I do kind of wish at least Kevin Durant or Kyrie was playing tonight because I want to see if the Suns can beat Brooklyn at full strength because I think they can uh, but they don't have any Utah games scheduled. Remember, the schedule actually right now only runs through March 4th, and then the NBA is going to uh, adjust here in the second half. But um, nice run here by the Phoenix Suns. Sticking with basketball but staying in college, ASU played yesterday, played Oregon State, beat Oregon State 75-73. He'll be in uh, L.A. to take on USC tomorrow. Bobby Hurley, again, it's Newsmakers Week. He was on Doug and Wolf this morning, gave an update on his two-star freshman. I actually ran into Marcus over at, uh, at COVID testing this morning, and you know he was moving a lot better, and, and said that he's uh, you know he's making some strides, and uh, you know he'll be uh, he'll be on the trip with us. We're gonna you know continue to evaluate him. Uh, you know he's uh, most likely not going to practice today, but uh, but we will you know we'll see what he looks like tomorrow, and uh, and then he's kind of day to day. It's. Uh, I don't think it's so significant of a of an ankle sprain that that uh, that he's going to miss uh, you know long term. But the season is winding down, and you know we're hoping that uh, you know he could get the necessary treatment and uh, and get back out on the floor. And as far as Josh, I think it's a similar situation. Um, his is more of a of a lower back contusion when he uh, when he blocked a shot against Oregon, he landed right on that back and. Uh, and you know he was able to continue to play in the first half. Really got tight on him uh, at halftime and gave it a go. And uh, so he's uh, you know we'll see what he looks like too. I'm, I'm doubt. I think he's doubtful for practice today, but uh, but certainly we'll we'll take a look and see what he looks like tomorrow. Yeah, Josh Christopher just missed the Oregon State game yesterday, and you heard Bobby Hurley mention how he got hurt in the game against Oregon. That was the previous game. Marcus Bagley hasn't played since January 30th against Stanford. And he's kind of been in and out of the lineup with injuries throughout the season. And obviously, ASU's, if you look at their schedule, I mean, there's just a, a ton of postponed. Uh, there's even a canceled game in there from earlier this season. They're not going to be able to make up all these postponed games. But number 17, USC tomorrow. No margin for error for the Sun Devils at this point. If they want to make the tournaments, they're going to have to go on a run here. They've only got four games officially scheduled. The two against the L.A. schools this week. USC tomorrow, UCLA on Saturday, and then home for Washington and Washington State next week. I would imagine they will, they're at least going to try to make up a couple games that following week. Remember, they, they pulled the U of A game out of that following week and played them much earlier so that both those schools could potentially make up some games that first week of, of March. But uh, Sun Devils in action tomorrow, and Bagley and Christopher, if you remember at the start of the year, back Thanksgiving, right? Start of the season. There was talk both those guys would be first-round picks. There was talk one, if not both of them, would be lottery picks. And now, I mean, who knows? Everything's up in the air. If you're a Sun Devil fan, you want them to come back. That's a ton of talent. But um, it just has not worked out so far this season, and time is, uh, is obviously running out. Over to the NFL. Whether you want J.J. Watt on the Cardinals or not, DeAndre Hopkins certainly does. Posted a picture of he and J.J. Watt hugging after a Texans game, but he photoshopped Cardinals uniforms onto both of them. 
and to J.J. Watt said, hey, let's finish what we started. I would take J.J. Watt here. Bear, would you take J.J. Watt? Yes, I would. I, I don't understand the, the push of people that are like, no, he's done. What? He shouldn't be done. He's 31 years old. He should, I, he's had bad injuries. I get that. I would still take him over a lot of a lot of defensive linemen in this league. Especially with a healthy Chandler Jones coming back next year. Mm-hmm. Like, J.J. Watt is a huge presence, and I'm sure he was double teamed a lot last year. But yeah. with Chandler Jones on the other side, I mean, you can't double team just one of them, I guess. No, he, he's never... He could, and then the other one could get by, you know? Yeah, well, he's never had a... I mean, he played with Jadavian Clowney for a little bit there, but it seemed like whenever when, it, when Clowney was playing, Watt was hurt. I feel like Clowney never really amount... Like, Clowney really found his stride towards the end of his Texans yeah. tenure, right? And Watt was hurt a lot. Yeah. There. And look, the, the knock on J.J. Watt is, oh, he's injury prone. And he absolutely has missed games, but let's... I just want to clear this up. He's played in the league... 10 years, okay? In 2016, he played three games. 2017, he played five games. 2019, he played eight games. That's a lot of missed games. He's never missed another game, though. Those other seven years, he played 16 games every year, including last season. So I wouldn't just write him off and be like, oh, he's done. Now, do I think the Cardinals are going to get him? No, I don't, because there's going to be a bidding war. Cleveland wants him. Pittsburgh has both of his brothers, and they they want him. Green Bay seems like a logical landing spot. There's, there's other teams, too. It's not just three or four teams. His only real connection to the Cardinals in the pitch I guess the Cardinals would make is, hey, we've got DeAndre Hopkins. And, uh, and, and hey, look, I mean, we, we are a good team. It's just a matter of, I mean, if you're J.J. Watt, would you pick the Cardinals or would you pick? I don't think he can pick Cleveland, can he? Because he'd be going up against his brothers twice a year. He could and say, oh, I beat you, little brothers. That's Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 that would make for some good Subway commercials. And also the same thing there. Miles Garrett would be on the other side of him. So. That's scary. That is scary. I feel like he'd also bring some good intangibles to the locker room as well. Yeah. Yeah. And look, he's motivated. Never got to win anything in Houston. Obviously, the video of him walking off the field with Deshaun Watson at the end of the year apologizing to Deshaun. It's not J.J. Watt's fault that the Houston Texans are a tire fire. Um, In 2012, he had 20 and a half sacks. In 2014, he had 20 and a half sacks. In 2015, he had 17 and a half sacks. And uh, yeah, we're talking about a guy that was not just like defensive player of the year when he was at his best. It was it was over by like week six every year. He was Aaron Donald before he Aaron Donald was Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean they would throw to him too. He was like an offensive player. Remember they That's would like right. make him yeah. into a tight end. Um, I mean, yeah, he's he's had those three years where he was he was beat up and missed a ton of games. But that was even an eye opener to me that in seven of his ten years he didn't miss a single game. He's got seven seasons in the NFL where he's played all sixteen games. So we'll see. Uh, Coyotes beat St. Louis yesterday, won nothing on a Clayton Keller goal. Darcy Kemper, the shutout. Coyotes win that seven-game series with St. Louis. They win four of the seven. They go 4-2-1. and one. Saw an interesting stat yesterday. That's the first time in the NHL or NBA that two teams have ever played seven straight times, which is not a shock. But it's only the second time in any sport, like counting baseball, since 1979. It happened in baseball this past season. The Marlins and the Phillies had to play eight in a row, I believe. And that obviously that was impacted by uh, by the pandemic as well. But, um, yeah, that's a crazy stat there, and it's over, and they play the, uh, the Kings. And in baseball, we played a little bit of Mike Hazen audio earlier. Haven't got your thoughts on this yet, Bear. D-backs go out and sign Estrubal Cabrera over the weekend. 
He's versatile. I mean, I don't think he's going to bring you a ton of, of uh, offensive pop, but he's a guy you could move around the infield if you had to. Yeah, I mean, I did. I, I looked up some of his numbers last year, and I've seen and heard some people saying, oh, he, oh, he can just play second base and could tell Marte could go out to center field. But he didn't play second base last year. He played primarily at first base, some at third, and then DH. Obviously, there's universal DH. So I mean, and he's and he's thirty five plus years old. So I don't know how much range he has left to play second base. But nevertheless, he's a he's a veteran player. He's won a World Series with the Nationals in twenty nineteen, um, and I I expect him to be a guy off the bench, uh, a pinch hitter. He's I believe he's still a switch hitter. He can give Walker Christian Walker uh, some time off at first, and give Eduardo Escobar a day off here and there at third. I don't know how much he's going to play at second. I guess we'll see in spring training what they do with him. But uh, for that cheap and the experience he brings, yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, it's no not, problem. It's not. <laughs> this is where it's tough if you're a Diamondbacks fan. You're in a division with two teams that are making ridiculous headline grabbing moves. So even in the off season, right. it, it's you know, even even if he turns out to be great, you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's Dribble Cabrera. Yeah, it's not Trevor he's, Bauer. He's Mookie not Betts. Blake Snell. Yeah, but okay, you Darvish. Um. Thanks, by the way, to the White Sox for trading Fernando Tatis into this division for very little, if I James recall. James Shields. Yeah, okay, well. And something else. Yeah. Something else. Thanks a lot. As good as Appreciate James it. Shields. Appreciate um, it. All right, that was the Rundown Reload. We're going to come back, and uh, Charles Barkley was on with Bickley and Murata today. It's a good time to talk about the Suns, and Chuck did exactly that. Play part of that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, it's time for a round of This or That, the simplest multiple-choice game there is. Or is it? You would think it would be. There's only two, uh, two possible answers to each of these questions. Bear, I will let you go first. Okay. J.J. Watt will wind up with the Green Bay Packers or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, right out of the gate with one of these, huh? Um, I'm That's gonna, how we do things. I'm going to say he winds up with the Steelers. The The only connection to Green Bay, I mean, I get it, but the only real connection to Green Bay is he, he played so college there, right? I think he's from Wisconsin. I think. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I know he played college at Wisconsin. I mean, I grew up in Seattle. I wouldn't play for the Seahawks if I was an NFL free agent. Uh, yeah, you're right. He's from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Aha, Waukesha. I can I like I can pronounce a lot of things because of my background in hockey. Cities in Wisconsin. That is uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. That's a little bit different. All right, I'll stick with the JJ Watt questions. Okay, if you want to play those games? Okay. Would you rather on the Cardinals next season? Have J.J. Watt or Patrick Peterson? Ooh, that's how I know it's a good question. That's a good when, question. When you like, when you are, I stunned. with it, it all depends on price. But I would, oh man, that's good. I would say J.J. Watt. That's the first one that came to my mind. Okay, of course it depends on what they can get at corner, but I think it would be more fun yeah, to have J.J. I think Watt. it would too. But you're right. If you, if you don't replace Patrick Peters in the yeah. corner, it's not really going to matter who you have up front. Um, all right. All righty. Uh, that was one of those questions I asked you that I 
You didn't know the answer? Didn't yeah. know what you would say? Usually I have like this answer. I yeah. throw right down in your face like you're wrong or you're right. But in this case, I wanted to make you answer a difficult question. <laughs> uh, so we were just talking about Blake Griffin just a couple of minutes ago. And then the Carolina Panthers today released uh, Kawan Short, their defensive tackle. You would rather, by the way, who has played in like five games in the last two years, <laughs> you would rather the Cardinals acquire Kawan Short or the Suns acquire Blake Griffin? <sighs> That's how I know it's a great question. Um, yeah, this is just a depressing question. I don't want Blake Griffin, so I guess my, my answer would be Kawan Short. <laughs> I don't want him at all. I, I want him to go away. No, uh, look, Burns and Campbell brought up a an awkward but interesting point today. I mean, he used to date Kendall Jenner. Do you? I don't know. Yes. I don't know if Devin Booker really cares. I I told I told Burnsy during a break. I said that if Blake Griffin were to become a Phoenix Sun, that would make a good episode on keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I just don't. I for what you got to pay Blake Griffin. I. I just don't want to disrupt. I mean, because if you're gonna, if you were gonna have to pay Blake Griffin, that means you're gonna have to move guys out. I just don't want to disrupt what they have going on. Mm-hmm, Whereas mm-hmm. with Kawan Short, you're right; he's played five total games the last two seasons. But maybe he could resurrect his career here with the Cardinals. Like if I have to take one of those guys. Okay. So there you go. Um. Okay. Cody, philosophical okay. question yes. for oh, you. Oh, good. Would you rather the D-backs go for it right now with? LA and San Diego's loaded as they are or kind of step back and develop their own guys for the future. That's tough for me because I always feel like you should try to compete no matter what. I do too. Because you don't know what I mean, you don't know what could happen to those other two teams or maybe it won't work out. We thought, you know, back I can't remember what year it was, but we thought the Padres were going to be something special when they got both Upton Brothers and Matt Kemp yeah, or whatever it was. And then they weren't good, but those the players they have now are better than those guys. <laughs> I was but, say, hold on, I'm trying to make the connection. So here. usually, I would say, yeah, try to compete, do what you have to do. But honestly, they have a lot of prospects in their system that I think could be good. So I would rather them just maybe this year, and I don't know about next year, but at least this year, just kind of take a step back, just see what happens. Sort of take like a a big picture view of yeah the franchise. Yeah. I mean, people are saying that they have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Why not see what you can develop out of those well. out of those guys? I think that's probably what they're going to do. Yeah, really. I think so too. Uh, I'll stick with I'll stick with the D backs. Uh, now, this is a really big issue for me. It may or may not be for you, but I always i I've made my opinions on this very clear on the Ain't No Fang podcast at ArizonaSports.com. You uh, would you rather see Cattell Marte play second base or center field? <sighs> hmm. I mean they, they need help in the outfield. <laughs> they literally don't have a center fielder. Yeah. I, so in that on the Diamondbacks, my answer would be center field. In a vacuum, I don't know that that would be my answer. Like, if it was just an ideal situation, if you play second, you have a great center fielder. If you play center field, you have a great second baseman. I maybe would prefer him in the infield. But on the Diamondbacks, I mean, he's made the adjustment. He can play center field. He made that adjustment, and then he hit like a monster afterwards. So that's fine. I'd put him out there. For me, I think he's... 
so much better of a second baseman than he is a center fielder. Not saying he's a bad center fielder. I think he actually figured it out and played pretty well out there. He played better than I thought he was going to. But And that was the year he really hit. Too. Right. But when you have the a guy, how good he is defensively at second, and the hitting can still be there, I would like to see him. At, I'd like to see the Diamondbacks go out and get a center fielder somewhere and have him play second base. but They, they put such an emphasis, too. I mean, Hazen and Lavello both put such an emphasis on taking runs away with their defense that I'm sort of surprised they haven't done that. You know what I mean? And Because you're right. If you have Cattell at second, that's a really good defensive second baseman in addition to the hitting. You're not losing the hitting. And I'm, so I am sort of surprised, especially in that division. Like, you need to take away as many runs as possible because you're not going to score as much as those top two teams. Uh, here, okay. Well, since we had a Blake Griffin question, I'll, I'll round that out. If the Suns were to add someone at the deadline, would you rather Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond? Oh, I I would I would rather have Andre Drummond, honestly. I would too. Blake Griffin, like I said, doesn't do what he is good at anymore. He doesn't dunk the ball, and that's what he was best at. Andre Drummond still rebounds the ball really well. Yeah. Imagine Andre Drummond coming off the bench for the Suns. <laughs> facing second unit centers. He, up until this month when they just sort of decided they weren't going to play him anymore in Cleveland. I mean, here's some of his rebound totals in January. 24, 23, 16, 17, 16, 22. That's pretty good rebounds. And, you know, routinely putting up about, he's averaging 18 points a game this season. And, again, they really cut into his playing time. Neither one of those guys make a ton of sense for the Suns, but they are the two big names out there right now. All right, my last question. I don't know if you've seen this, seen these videos going around on social media, but Happy Gilmore turns 25 years old today, and Adam Sandler was out on the golf course, and in honor of that, took a big Happy Gilmore rip of a golf ball, and we didn't get to see how far it went because it was just on his phone from the tee box, Yeah, but it looked like he got it pretty good, and then I can't remember the actor's name that played Shooter McGavin, but he's just Shooter McGavin to me. Yeah. Filmed him putting into a glass. <laughs> I'll ask you this. Which is the better Adam Sandler movie? Happy Gilmore or The Wedding Singer? Ooh, or The Wedding Singer? I think we're going to go Billy Madison. Um, or that. I've, I love Billy Madison. Uh, I, If it's The Wedding Singer or Happy Gilmore. I've only seen The Wedding Singer once. I do remember it being better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I got talked into watching it by my girlfriend. It wasn't like something I was, like, looking. But it was good. I'm going to go with Happy Gilmore. I mean, come on. He's a disgruntled hockey player that plays golf. I'm, I'm going to go with Gilmore Happy Gilmore is my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. I would say that it would go in, in terms of ranking. It would go happy in top three, let's say. Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, and probably The Waterboy. Yeah. The Waterboy's good. The Waterboy is good. Um, if I were to ever really get into golf, I think I would try to golf with a hockey stick like he did, too. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's not illegal or anything. No, 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 no. Uh, last one. Well, I mean, he also tried to like fight somebody with his skate blade in that movie. Also illegal. Um, <laughs> I hold the record for the only guy try- that tried to take a skate off and kill somebody. <laughs> uh, last question. In a regular season game against the top team from the East, so like tonight, would you rather the Suns face a depleted Nets team or them at full strength and, and see exactly where the Suns measure up. I would rather see them play the Nets at full strength with Kyrie and Kevin Durant and even Spencer Dinwiddie. I'll throw him in there. Because now, if they lose this game, it kind of looks like a bad loss. Because, I yeah, Harden's still playing, but who's... I mean, you're not really f- fearing Jeff Green. No, most people don't. You know, so, I mean, if they lose this game with two of the big three Nets out, 
it kind of looks worse for the sun. So I'd rather if you're going to if, if if I can change your question, I would <laughs> do I, I would rather them lose to the Nets with all three of the go- of those guys playing <laughs> than them lose to this to the James Harden question. one. It's, it, that's just, that says a lot about you about if how they win, they win. It's great. It's still a win, but like, yeah, I would rather them also win with those guys playing. You're, you're right. Going into the game, if the Nets are at full strength, it's kind of like, hey, we got nothing to lose, and if we win, this is a huge win. Now it's kind of like... It's you, like your heat check game. Like, okay, yeah. here we go. You really shouldn't lose. Because this isn't like the yeah. Rockets with James Harden. This is a team that's not built around Harden. It's built around Durant and Irving, and then eventually Harden. So right. this is a game the Suns hopefully should win tonight. All right, we'll come back. Final segment of the show. We'll hear from Suns GM James Jones next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Seven FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Final segment of the show. Of course, we got Suns Nets coming up at the top of the hour. It is Newsmakers Week here this week, and Doug and Wolf had a ton of guests on this morning, including Suns GM James Jones. Here's part of that interview. James, when you think of the last ten games, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, defense. I think we've been better defensively and we've been consistent on the defensive end and, and we've exhibited more discipline. Um, we've had our, 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 you know, the teams like Cleveland and, and Philly that have kind of stressed our defense in, in the rebounding area. But overall, I think every guy stepping on the court has been thinking defense, defense first. And then Devin's been phenomenal offensively. And Chris um, <clears throat> with Mikel sprinkling in a couple of performances, they've been really good. When the pandemic's over, will you ever give up your seats that you're sitting in right now for uh, for the games? Oh, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. <laughs> really? It's, I'm gone. I, I won't be down there next to the bench. You know, I, I enjoy that 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 vantage point, um, but I actually like sitting a little bit higher so I can see the entire court at the same time. Okay. So okay. you honestly don't like being down there? That's, I, uh... <laughs> no, it's, it's tough when you're down there. You know, you get caught looking at you know, specific things. So you're watching a, a big guy in the pain or, you know, you're looking at a referee and you're trying to listen to what people are saying. It's distracting. So I prefer to sit up uh, a couple rows up where I can see the entire court, the offensive end, the defensive end, see how we play in transition. And, and more importantly, just see how the five guys are working together. James Jones, general manager, Phoenix Suns, joining Doug and Wolf. Tell, I don't care whether it's a culture leadership specific game or whether it's the trade Tell us a Chris Paul story that you haven't told anybody else in the media. Um, no, there, there's there's not much. I mean, what you see with Chris is what you get. You know, I'd say on the, the back end of a, a back-to-back, I think this this week, um, you know, he, he was a little sore, a little banged up. And, you know, you could see him come in and he's like, look, I don't care how I feel. I don't care what goes on. I'm playing today because as a leader, sometimes you have to show guys they have to play through bumps and bruises. And, you know, if we can get through to the second half, you know, I'll let my guys take over. And sure enough, he came out, um, played um, some meaningful minutes for us and, and led by example and got us a, a big win this week. So um, what you see with Chris is what you get. He's a guy that loves to play more than anyone I've ever played with. Um, probably, you know, he, he, he rivals the, the great Hall of Famers I played with, Chris, Chris Bosh, D-Wade, and LeBron. Uh, but he's on another level. Does Chris Paul want to play longer than these two years, James? Is there a... you start a contract, talks? Man, I, I think Chris will play um, until he feels like he can't contribute to the game anymore, and I think he has a lot of time, a lot of years left 
Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, it's, Every player goes through this where this point in their career where they, they start to think about how long do I want to play and what does it take for me to extend this thing? And, um, you know, he's, 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 he epitomizes what it means to want to seek more. Um, he's in there every day early, the first guy there. A lot of times one of the last guys to leave. And, and when he leaves, he's, he's not done for the day. He's not checking out. You know, he's going home to make sure his nutrition, his recovery – his body management, all that stuff is on point. And, and so it, it, it's reflected in his play. James, we were talking uh, earlier this morning about just how sick this conference is. You've won 9 of 10, and you haven't gained any ground on Utah, who's won 19 of 20. Lakers and Clippers are winning at a 70% clip in the last seven games, and yet you're keeping up with them. And Portland still has not moved from behind you at all, as you guys have had this great run. And yet with how crazy the Western Conference is, Devin Booker's the Western Conference Player of the Week. I mean, tell me about D-Book and even his growth this year when we didn't feel like there was much growing to do. He's matured. You know, Devin's learned to pick his spots. I think early in the year, um, he was trying to figure out how to lead this team, trying to do it verbally, trying to do it physically, emotionally. And I think it was an adjustment for him where he realized he didn't have to do all of it with Chris. All Devin needed to do was to control himself, control the pace, and offensively deliver uh, in the clutch. And uh, he's been aggressive offensively, and, and defensively he's been more vocal. Uh, I think he understands his teammates. Um, that's the, the maturity of a, of a young player when he can understand his teammates. And we've added a bunch of new guys, but he's taking the time to understand who they are. He's taking the time to figure out how, how to lead them. And you can see those guys rallying behind them. You know, when things get tight, when things get, get thick, they're looking for Devin to make a play, and he started to do that. And so if you look at this Western Conference, as well as we've been playing, we haven't gained any ground, but I think we've, we've, we've continued to, you know, develop this culture of discipline that's going to carry us when we get to the playoffs. Because you can win the regular season, but if you're not um, building the habits that allow you to have success in the postseason – you're going to be left uh, with a, a sinking feeling in your stomach when the season's over. Man, no doubt about it, James. I am such a huge believer in that. Having played 10 years in the National Football League, culture is a huge deal right here. I love the culture that's being built here, and I love the fact that DeAndre Ayton is right in the middle, surrounded by that culture. What have you seen from D.A. over the last 10 games? Emotionally, he's been good. You know, he's had some ups and downs physically, uh, but emotionally he's been able to snap right back and get into plays. You know, after he has a, a tough possession, you know, or a, a maybe a bad possession, I think there was one where he shot a three last week, um, just wasn't the right place in time. And he knew immediately that he had to make it up on the other end. And so um, he's he's been good in that regard, like being able to bounce back from the challenges because we need him. I think you know, and everyone knows, when DeAndre's playing at a high level, we're a special team. And, uh, you know, day in and day out, he's coming into the arena trying to be a better, uh, a better player, and it's, it's helped us. There was about a two-week stretch, James, where he was one of the best players in the league. And now, I don't like to use the term regress, but he's gone to above average. You know what I mean? He's gone to where he's contributing, he, he's, he's playing well, but it wasn't, he hasn't been the force that he was in that stretch. And I, I don't know if you felt that outside the building, the city was starting to go crazy for DeAndre Ayton. How do you keep that level of consistency so he knows what a force he can be without, you know, putting too much on him? 
Well, the city should, should remain crazy for DeAndre. I mean, because inside the building, we get it. He, um, you know, like, that's, you know, he, he had a really good stretch of basketball, and people started to take notice. So if you watch the games, it's not as if, you know, DeAndre is an, an afterthought. You know, teams are starting to try to double. You know, they're sending multiple guys to the glass to keep them off the glass. So um, he's, 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 he's drawing their attention, and this is another adjustment phase for him and for our team. Um, you know, if you look at the, the games where we were out-rebounded, it was because they were trying to make sure that DeAndre didn't get the rebound. I think DeAndre rebounds something around 80% of our defensive rebounds, which is crazy. But, you know, that's, that's the sign of a good emerging player. So we'll continue to try to find ways to help him because he's helped us. Um, so now it's time for us to find ways to, to continue to help him. James, one of the most effective things that could possibly happen to a player in the NFL is to have an established player walk up on him in the locker room and say, what are you doing? <laughs> You're killing us. Right? I mean, that, that kind of accountability out there. Who's on D.A. more, players or coaches? And he seems to be responding pretty well to it. I think D.A., I mean, like I said before, it's a collective effort, but, you know, D.A.'s on, on himself more than anyone. I think that's what people don't get a chance to see. Um, the kid really wants it. You know, he's, he's, he's navigating, you know, being the anchor of our team. Um, Chris has been helpful. Um, you know, Devin's been helpful. Monty's been helpful. But more importantly, the growth that you see from DeAndre has been because he's 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 highly critical of himself. And um, you know, we still have to remember he's a young player that we're asking to be the anchor of our team. Mm-hmm. And with that comes some growing pains. But I think yeah, we're all we're all excited and surprised, you know, just by how much growth he's shown this year. What's your expectation for this team going forward? Um, just compete and win games. You know, at the end of the year, if we can get to the end of the year healthy, I like our chances against anyone, um, especially knowing that um, this Western Conference is tough and there's some good teams that will help sharpen our skills so that when we, you know, eventually hopefully get to the playoffs, we have a real shot. All right, that was James Jones, Suns uh, Nets, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Wanted to play this clip, too, also from Newsmakers Week on the Doug and Wolf Show this morning. Jerry Colangelo was on, and obviously Jerry Colangelo running USA Basketball, and the Suns have a couple guys that are candidates to maybe play on that team. They've got Chris Paul, who has already won a couple gold medals at the Olympics uh, with Team USA. Devin Booker. Uh, has not yet, but uh, Colangelo was asked about those two. Booker and Chris Paul on that roster list? Come on now. Oh, we haven't announced anything, but I guess if you were a betting guy, uh, you could bet one way or the other, and you can't go wrong. Yeah, so (laughs) I like Doug trying to convince him to put Booker and Paul on there. Um, The way they're going to do it is put together a pool of about 50 players, and I would assume they're both there. But they're going to have to trim that down to 12 for the actual Olympics. Which, by the way, the Olympics are in, what, five-ish months? Five, six months? So um, Chris Paul has already, like I said, he's already played for Team USA before in the Olympics. And he's had a lot of success. He won golds in 2008 and 2012. This would obviously be another huge step forward for Devin Booker, who's taken a lot of huge step forwards over the last year or so. Uh, so something to keep an eye on. Uh, the the actual training camp for that would begin during the finals so they know that you know if if you're taking players that are in the finals they're going to miss some of camp but that's one of those things where like how cool would that be if the Suns could get Devin Booker or even Chris Paul 
uh, on the team. It's just cooler for Booker because he's never done it. Chris Paul's Chris Paul's been a big part of it, and I'm sure they're looking long and hard at Chris Paul again because this will probably be his last realistic shot at playing for Team USA in the Olympics. For now, he can focus on the Brooklyn Nets, as can Devin Booker. That game is coming up here in just a matter of moments. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. Nets, Suns coming up next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.